the dark has an obligation to stay in the dark unless a Christian exposes it into the light. This is why they're very, there are very secretive agendas and narratives on TV. You know, they may tell you a story, one thing, but behind the scenes, it's completely different. I hope you guys are having a beautiful Thursday afternoon. It is 1.32 p.m. over here on the East Coast. Um, things are starting to ramp up. You know, things are, you know, starting to intensify a little bit for the body of Christ. And, um, you know, as we continue to go through the end times, children of y'all, we're starting to see the shift. We're starting to see the true nature of what exists inside of people. And um, I wanted to come on to talk about the walk of an unbeliever because I made a comment on one of my closest friends' posts and um, I was talking about the great deception that the world is in, including what the unbeliever perceives as evil, but is actually, it actually serves a great and mighty purpose. Let me put this on. I don't want any distractions. What the anyway, so yeah, what the unbeliever perceives as distractions or what the unbeliever perceives as things that can shift um, their mindset on Christianity. Amen. I don't have any particular Bible verses I'm going to I'm going to read from. I'm more or less creating this episode to try to connect with the mind of the unbeliever, because for some of them, you know, we all have encountered unbelievers in one way or another. There are some unbelievers, you know, they just, you can't tell them anything. You can't tell like, uh, you know, they literally take the Bible, they take everything about Christianity and they apply it to their own logic. And they think that it means what it means. But um, there are some believers, unbelievers, excuse me, who are agnostic, you know, maybe their situation, maybe their belief, maybe their belief system, maybe some of the questions that they have about Christianity can help, you know, and so I made this episode to try to connect with them. Okay, so but um, but for those of you who are, you know, I don't know how to say this. I want I want to break down what an unbeliever today sees in the church. You know, so they're walking in any type of church, okay? And mind you, this is without spiritual discernment. You know, this is without, you know, you know, asking God, like, God, where should I go? What church should I go to? You know, this is all without that kind of discernment. So they're walking into the church, okay? You know, they're seeing the pastor preach the word. They might see the worship team preach the word. They might see people dancing, people screaming, people crying, people praying. And in the mind of an unbeliever, someone who does not believe the gospel, but they have... uh 
a spirit of uh, an agnostic attitude towards it. Like they have questions, like they might've seen certain things that don't, that didn't make sense before. This is what they're seeing. You know, they're seeing the religious antics that go on across churches in America. And I'm going to specifically use America as an example, because um, Christianity abroad is far different. Okay, the consequences for preaching Jesus are, are, are way drastic. They're way more extreme. Like some of there are some people out there, they're literally getting killed for even mentioning the name Jesus. You know, someone with an AK-47 is literally holding holding the gun up to their head and they're saying, Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Are is your G is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? And if they say yes, they're getting a 762 right in the head, and then that's that. But American Christianity, sorry to say, you know, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. You know, America in and of itself has become a nation of idolatry. You know, we, you know, I've heard it said before that, you know, we are the whore of Babylon, not, not true Christianity. The, I'm talking about the country uh, uh, in itself, because we've become a nation of idolatry. We become a, a, a nation of, of harlotry, of prostitution. We become a, a nation of drunkenness. It's like we want God to bless America, but we cannot put the beer bottle down. We want God to bless America, but we can't stop taking selfies of ourselves. We want God to bless America, but we put so many other things in front of God. and. This is what the unbeliever sees. You know, he goes into the church and he hears the pastor preach. And none of what the pastor and none of what the pa I mean, the pastor might be telling the truth. But you see, the one thing I found about unbelievers is that if they have a heart towards the things of the spirit of God, some at some point, there's going to be a connection. Because I preach all the time, that's where it starts. It starts with the head, it starts with the mind, and it starts with the heart and your soul. And when the Bible says you draw nearer to God and he will draw near to you, and the Bible also says in Jeremiah 17, I search the heart and I test the mind and I judge each one according to their works. You know, a lot, a lot of these unbelievers, they think we're some of the fakest people out there because what they see when they go in the church sometimes is we don't practice what we preach. And when I, and I used to, I used to question a lot, a lot of these people, you know, um, they might be walking into a service where the pastor is preaching about sexual idolatry. And then after service, he's flirting with five or six women, you know, they're seeing, they're seeing people shout and praise the Lord. Holy is his name. But when church is over with, and they're back out into the world, they're drinking, they're smoking, they're cussing. And I just want to come on here and I want to make, I want to basically clear the record for the unbeliever. Unbelievers, if I can make an analogy to you, it would be like marriages or relationships. If you've ever dated a guy, if you've ever dated a girl and it didn't work out, let me ask you a question. Does that mean that relationships don't work out? Or 
it just didn't work out with that guy or girl. Because if the latter is the case, what did you do? You went out and you found somebody, uh, you found someone else to entertain. The same goes for the job. You go to a job and you don't like the job. You don't like the hours of the job. You don't like the people at the job. You don't like what the job entails. You don't like your, your rate of pay. And there's no, there's no room for advancement. And so you quit the job. And what do you do? Do you say jobs suck or do you just find a job that better suits and accommodates for your needs? If it's the latter, then we can take that same attitude with the church that you went to that you might have rejected. Because let me tell you something, the role of the main thing about true Christianity, true biblical Christianity, is that we all move according to what is called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus himself to help intercede for us between ourselves and God. He's, the Holy Spirit is basically the messenger. The Holy Spirit tells us how to move according to God's will. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives us the true discernment of God in any particular situation that the Bible may not give total clarity on. Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. And so what a Christian does, how they move, is all according to what the Holy Spirit tells them. With that being, with that being said, you might have walked into a church and you might not have seen the greatest example of that. Not every church in America carries Jesus. Not every church in America follows the Bible down to a T. Not every church in America has the Holy Spirit present. Unbelievers, one thing that the Bible says is that when two or three are gathered together in my name, in Jesus' name, I am there in the midst of them. Why? Because as Christians, we refer to ourselves as a body of Christ, okay? Because we, the Bible says we are collectively unified in one body, but we're members individually, but we all make the sum of one. So when it comes to that, there's an, account of, there's an expectation of accountability there. There's an expectation of if I'm slacking I can expect my brother and sister in Christ elsewhere to come and lift me up and I'll do the same for them, vice versa. You need that. You need that relationship. You need that circle. The Bible says edify and encourage one another and pray for one another. The church that you walked into, you might not have necessarily seen the best evidence of that. And so I get comments all the time of, of, pe of people saying, you know, you're the reason why I left the church a long time ago. You are an example of a false prophet. And children of y'all, I got I to gotta tell you, when an unbeliever gives me a wrongful judgment, it's very much amiss because everything I do to the best of my ability, I always do it and make sure it's spirit led. It has to be spirit led.
it has to be spirit led. Otherwise, if I do it on my own, I could risk doing more harm than good. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I've been going back and forth with, with a gentleman uh, two weeks ago. And um, I've, I, we have been trying to explain to him um, that the way he understood Christianity, because he said he read the Bible from front to cover, and he had some questions that pretty much missed the mark entirely. Why would, why, why would God endorse killing? Why would God kill the 10 Jewish boys with a bear? Why, like, like, like this is an evil God. And we were trying to tell him, this is why you cannot read the Bible with your own understanding. The way the Bible is meant to be read is that it's meant to be read with the spirit in mind. It's meant to be read with the true reverence that, hey, listen, this is the word of God. And remember the Holy Spirit I was telling you about. It's meant to be read with the Holy Spirit in you. You have an open mind and an open heart towards the things of the spirit of God, and you pray on what it is that you read so that you don't get your interpretation wrong. It's not, oh, God is an evil killer, but we seek greater knowledge and understanding of why God does what he does and why his law is exactly that. And the Holy Spirit is supposed to be the mediator in helping you understand that. Remember what I said, not every church carries Jesus in it. And there's a whole bunch of mess out there on the internet. They got information on Google. They got information on YouTube. They got information on Facebook. They got information everywhere. And everybody has their own idea of what the doctrine of Christ really is. And children of Yah, unbelievers, this is a mistake. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says that see that there are no divisions among you and that you be of the same mind and the same judgment. We're all supposed to be in unity, but to the mind of an unbeliever, they don't see unity. They see division. They see discord. They see harshness. Even I've been accused of being harsh. Even I've been accused of being harsh, but it's really because of what the Holy Spirit has shown me, because of what the Holy Spirit has told me, what would happen in the future is why I preach stern messages, is why I preach a message of harsh repentance. Because here's, here, here's the truth. If unbelievers, if you read the Old Testament of the Bible, what the prophets of old did, the reason why the pro God's prophets were so feared in the Bible is because they came to the children of Israel with messages of judgment. And when they came with those messages of judgment, in those days, there was no Jesus Christ has come. Jesus Christ has died on the cross and resurrected on the third day. There was none of that. If you committed a sin, most of the time, 
your penalty was death. And so when the prophet would come see, in those days, nobody would tell them except the prophet. But when the prophet would come, the prophet would bring harsh judgment. And whatever the judgment was, it was a judgment that came straight from God. And the children of Israel would live in bondage. They would they would live in iniquity. They they would be they would be reaping the penalties of living a life not in God's will or God's commandments. And so when we fast forward to the prophet of today, the prophet of today, unbeliever, is not interested in telling you how rich you're going to be. In fact, when you look at when you look at the Bible, the Bible says to every the Bible says in a number of different places, a number of different places that being rich isn't the goal. I'm looking at a verse right now in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. It says, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men and destruction and perdition. So unbeliever, you might have been walking into a church where the pastor was talking about how rich God was going to make you. You might have been walking into a church where everybody around you, including the pastors, including including their 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 uh, his team, his worship team, they might have been talking about money. They might already be all about the money and everything that they do. It seems more to feed their pockets than it does to feed your soul. Unbeliever, you might have walked into this church and I, I want to be the first to tell you that this is not the true doctrine of Christ. This is a reason why I tell people study for yourselves. You have to pray for yourselves. You cannot simply just take the Bible or the things of this world and think that God wants to give you. Yes, the Bible says I will supply your need with a uh, uh, I will supply your need uh, according to his riches and glory. Yes, the Bible does say that. However, when people realize the Bible also says the God of this world is money and the love of money is the root of all evil. You might have walked to a you might have walked into a church unbeliever and you might have, you know, the pastor might have had an unhealthy obsession with money. The pastor, he might have pulled his punches a little bit, uh, so to speak. He might have he might have held back from telling the truth because he didn't want to offend you. He didn't want to he didn't want to necessarily talk about the thing that you struggled with because he wanted he might have wanted your tithing money. And typically the truth unbeliever is always going to be harsh. The truth is always going to offend people. The truth is always going to be controversial. The truth is always going to divide. The truth is always going to cause calamity. But this is why the Bible says um, in the New Testament, Jesus says, I came to divide. I came to divide. And the way Jesus came to bring division is by telling us the truth of what is really going on, who's really about that life and who's not. So when it comes to the whole judge not thing moving on, you got to realize that there are 66 books in the Bible. And a lot of them say a lot of different things and judge not is not the only thing that's in the Bible. In fact, when you read when you read the judge not verse, 
unbeliever. You got to read it in, in full context. Everybody, you know, every single Christian who doesn't really understand their Bible, they all like to say, who are you to judge? But quite honestly, children of Yah and unbelievers alike, we do it in life. You say, who are you? The people who say, who are you to judge? That is their judgment upon you. You know, we do it in life. Look at the friends that you have now. How did you get the friends in your life? You judge them. You judge their words. You judge their actions. And then you eventually made a decision that, yes, this person is worth having in my life, and they add some value to it. And the same goes for the toxic people in your life. You judge them just by just the same standard. And they judged you by that same standard. If it was a toxic person, they decided that you were worth taking advantage of. You were worth manipulating. But if they were a toxic person and you didn't want them in your lives, you judged them just the same. You analyzed their words. You analyzed their actions. You didn't like what you saw. So you said, you know what? You're cut off. I don't want you in my life. Those of you tuning in on the podcast platform, I'm also on Facebook Live currently. I'm getting the messages come, come through. Thank you, Brother Ralph. You're absolutely right. Ralph says you are correct. Context is everything, brother. Yes, this is what I'm trying to get the unbeliever to see that everything is in proper context. And it's the Holy Spirit, like I said earlier, who will lead you and guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit gives you the proper context that you need. First Corinthians 2.14 says, for the natural man does not perceive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, unbeliever, that means that wisdom only comes from one place. You can look for it on Google. You can look for it on Instagram. You can look for it on Facebook. But the bottom line is, whatever it is you're looking at, you still have to discern it through prayer by asking the Holy Spirit, is this the truth? By asking God, is this the truth? Is this righteous? Is this holy? And the Holy Spirit will gently guide you to an answer, either through what God says or through his word. A, a verse might pop up and it'll say James 5.16. And you'll say, uh, I, 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 I'm just going to use James 5.16 as an example because I, I know that verse by heart. Um, say, for example, you struggle with something. You struggle with drunkenness or you struggle with pornography and you don't know if you should go in the church and talk to the pastor about it. And so you say a prayer that you didn't know how to say. And by the way, the Holy, the, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is an intercessor as well. So if you don't know exactly how to pray, the Holy Spirit will basically act as an interpreter on your behalf in the presence of God to be able to properly lead you the right way. Remember, God looks at the heart. But say you pray, God, should I, should I confess to the pastor about my sin for pornography? And the Holy Spirit might, you might hear a small, subtle voice 
that you know is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit might tell you James 5.16. And so maybe you Google James 5.16, and I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to read it to you right now, just so you know what James 5.16 says. Confess your sins, confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So there's your answer. And with that, unbeliever, you have to understand that a Christian, biblically speaking, is called to expose what goes against the knowledge and the word and laws of God. Ephesians 5 verse 11 says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Unbeliever, you might be sitting there saying, what, is that? what does that mean? It means that the dark will never expose itself if there's no reason not to. The dark will never, the dark has an obligation to stay in the dark unless a Christian exposes it into the light. This is why they're very, they're very secretive agendas and narratives on TV. You know, they may tell you a story, one thing, but behind the scenes, it's completely different. And so whenever you see a Christian and it seems like they're being harsh with their preaching, it seems like they're talking about something that a lot of people struggle with and don't like, uh, uh, they don't appreciate it when they bring the light of day on it. It's really because we're passionate about destroying the works of the devil. We're passionate about setting people free. It has nothing to do with being rude or disrespectful. There are some Christians who are still babies in their walks and they they had they cross that line unintentionally but the intention of the heart is still the same and there are some christians like me for example whenever someone disagreed with me and i'll take this time to be transparent to gain your in an attempt to gain your trust whenever someone disagreed with me i would always take offense to it because i'm the type of person that you know i i don't i, don't, I honestly don't know where it stemmed from the need to have everybody agree with me because I guess I just have this thing that, you know, I always like to be right. I don't like to give people the wrong information. I want them to have the best information so they, they can make a, a, a well-informed decision because I spent eight years in my walk in Christianity in true Christianity without the right information. The church I used to go to the pastor did not allow the Holy Spirit to work freely. He might have thought he did in his level of understanding, and he might know the Bible from front to back, but when you have the Spirit in you, 
when you have the spirit in you, it's a completely different story because in my eight years when I was a babe in Christ and I didn't understand what it meant to have the spirit in me, I would read the Bible from front to back, from start to finish. And I would read it just like any other book. But when the spirit spoke to me, when the spirit said, now is the time for you to know who I really am. Everything I read in the Bible completely changed. And now every time I read something in the Bible, I can read the same verse 20, 30, 40, 50 times. And the Holy Spirit will tell me and show me something different each time. Why? Because the Bible says that the, the word of God is living. It's the living water. It literally moves and it, and it shows you every single, it, it shows you new revelation. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse three says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things, which you do not know. That means every time you sanctify yourselves and prepare your minds to prepare your hearts and you go into prayer and you pray to God, you go into the presence of the Lord where he's at. You don't ask him to come to you. You go to him and he will reach you. But you go there and he literally gives you new revelation, new context, new revival every single time, even in silence, because his silence, unbeliever, is still an answer. And what answer is that specifically? Typically, when a teacher is silent, whenever a teacher is silent, he's testing you. Whenever a teacher is silent, it means that you know the answer already because he has given it to you. And it was up to you to listen very closely to what that answer is. So the whole going back to the whole judge not thing. You know, the whole judge not thing, when you read it in proper context, it talks about hypocrisy. And I'm going to read that passage to you. Matthew 7, verse 1. Judge not that you not be judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Remember I said, that other people pass judgment on me. Other people say, they tell me don't judge as they judge me. That's the measure. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under your feet and turn and tear you into pieces. So what that passage means, unbeliever, is that I can't preach against sexual sins if I'm looking at porn. I can't preach against a spirit of drunkenness if I'm drinking Jack Daniels every weekend, I can't teach about 
being disciplined. If I continue to make undisciplined decisions, I can't teach you to respect authority if I spit on everyone who watches over me. That's what that passage means. Verse six says, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn to tear you into pieces. What that basically means is don't give the most valuable parts that the Holy Spirit has validated about yourself to people who are not going to honor it. You know, I get people all the time, especially in private, I get people all the time wanting to mock me for my belief in Christ. I get people all the time wanting to mock me and, and you know, you, they say, you want to you, you wanna convince me? You think you holy? You think you this, that, and the third? Go ahead, convince me. Convince me. What it means when it says don't cast your pearls before swine is don't cast the most valuable and sacred parts that the Holy Spirit and God has done for you and Jesus has done for you. Don't give it to them because they're not going to honor what God has done anyway. That's what that means with don't cast your pearls before swine. These people, unbeliever, they're not worth arguing. They're not worth arguing over. And the Bible says in many different places not to engage in fights with them anyway. But that's what that means when it says don't judge. When people say you might look at who you might look at the whole judgment thing and you're thinking, no, that's just this, that's just disrespectful. Like I said, we do it in life. We do it in life more than you realize, and you just don't realize it. For those of you unbelievers that are sitting there saying, I don't believe, I don't believe in anything. What does Romans chapter 12 say? Romans chapter 12 says, verse, uh, verse three, for I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, think lowly, think humble, be humble in all your thoughts and realize that you don't know everything as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So basically the last portion of that verse is one I want to focus on. The Bible says that every man is given a measure of faith. So whether you believe it or not, you believe in something. Whether you believe, whether you want to fully believe in God or not, there's something out there that you believe more than God. You know, I met a gentleman weeks ago. He like he loves motorcycles more than he loves God. So he loved it so much that he opened he opened his own machine shop and has an entire collection of motorcycles because he loves the hobby. He loves motorcycles. And that's what he puts his faith in. So when God said, so when the Bible says that every man is given a measure of faith from God himself, that's exactly what that means. If you don't believe, if you don't believe in God, think about it. What is the most important thing in your life right now? For some of you, it's family. 
For some of you, it's your car. For some of you, it's the partying. For some of you, it's the drinkings. For some of you, it's the weed. For some of you, it's your relationships. For some of you, it's your, it's your career. For some of you, it's your health. It's your hobbies. These are the things that you put faith in because you believe that in these areas, you'll be able to reap mass benefits for your life. The only difference between you and a true Christian is that we put our faith in the one that gives us all we have, and that's the Most High God himself. And so you, ha you have to understand that when it comes to American Christianity, not everything is what it appears to be. You know, American Christianity, sorry to sorry for me to say American Christianity, I'm actually ashamed. I'm actually ashamed that there are so many Christians who don't who do not carry the doctrine of Christ. The, the sad truth is a lot of Christians don't even read their Bible. They don't even read their Bibles. They don't read their Bibles, they don't pray, they don't fast. They don't always condition themselves to the things of the Spirit of God. They don't always condition their minds and their hearts to God's will. Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So right off the bat, we're commanded not to do what the rest of the world does. And that is why we're so hated. Because we see what everybody else does and we say, no, we're not doing that. That's not, uh, we, we, we see, see, we see the pros and we see the cons. We see the consequences of what the world wants to do. And in the mind of an unbeliever, they think that they can do whatever they want because there's no consequence to it. There's consequences to everything in this world. Just because you didn't see anything bad happen now doesn't mean you're not going to see anything bad happen yet. There's delayed consequences to everything. When you were a kid and you misbehaved in public, did your family, did your parents ever say to you, wait until we get home? And did your behind get, get tore up when you got home? Did you get in trouble when you got home? If you didn't do your homework and your mother or father was not home, what was the did the consequence come immediately or did the consequence come when they got home and they found out that you didn't do your homework? You didn't do the dishes. You didn't clean up your room. You didn't take out the garbage. There's consequences. Every choice in this world, unbeliever, has consequences. I want you to keep this in mind because it's not too late. And, uh, and there, there are, are those of you unbelievers, you feel like you've done too much. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You see, there's, there's that discernment. You feel like you've done way too much bad to even, to, to even, come to God because you think God will cast you away. You think God will reject you. You think, no, it's too late for me. You know, God's not, God's not going to take a look at me. 
unbeliever, I want to tell I want I want to I want to tell you something. The Bible says cast your burdens on the Lord and he will lift you up. It is not God's desire to punish you for coming into repentance. And that's the whole point. The whole point of repentance is right after atonement, God forgives you and the Holy Spirit now has free reign to renew your mind, renew your heart, and renew your spirit. Excuse me. Renew your spirit. And this is this is the most important important thing because I grew up as an unbeliever thinking I wasn't mad at God for the life that I had. I thought God was mad at me because nothing in my life was working out. You might have done some you might have done some of the most horrible things at least in your mind that that you could even imagine. Maybe you feel bad for selling a family member out. Maybe you feel bad for sleeping with another man's wife. Maybe you feel bad for sleeping with another woman's husband, ladies. Maybe you feel maybe you feel bad for stealing from your grandmother. You had a you had a moment of selfishness, a moment of temptation, and you stole from a family member in dire need. And maybe that guilt has eaten you away for so many years. Children of Yah and unbelievers alike, God wants to deliver you from that. We serve not only a powerful God and a God full of wrath, but he is grace to all those who humbly request an audience of him. He is graceful to all, he is graceful and gentle to all of those who humbly request his audience. I want to shift the attention to the fruits of the spirit and then I'll be done. Galatians 5:22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, patience, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Unbeliever, if you're meeting a Christian, the works of the Holy Spirit in them are going to be evident. They're going to have a different approach, a different tune, a different wisdom, a knowledge and understanding that the rest of the world does not have. And they're going to they're going to have a calm, soothing energy about them most of the time. People say I'm not calm and soothing, but it's only the ones who reject what I have to say that think I'm not calm and soothing. When you actually have a conversation with me in private, from everybody else's experience, it's always been different. The gentleness always kicked in with the people who were ready to receive the truth. The, the kindness always kicked in with people who needed the prayer, who needed help, who needed everything that they could possibly get for me to, for me to assist them. The conversation is always different. And it's not what the world likes to call a workspace salvation. Like you have to work to get a certain level of forgiveness from God. It's already given to you because of what Jesus did on the cross. The only thing you have to do is be born again. You have to baptize, you have to be baptized by the water for the remission of your sins. 
and you have to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. So you have to allow the Holy Spirit in you to refine and reform you and allow the Holy Spirit to direct your walk for all the days of your life. So, and the works of that, the fruit of that is what I just read. You're going to have the love. You're going to have the joy. You're going to have the peace, the goodness, the kindness, the gentleness, the faithfulness, the patience, and the self-control or self-discipline. You're going to have all those things on full display in most areas of your life. It's not, I'm holy in the church, but when I'm out in the world, I'm me. No. You're born again 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, 521,600 minutes, all day, every day. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. So the true faith that you have or will build in God is going to produce love. It's going to produce joy and peace and all of these different fruits. It's not, well, I have love and joy, but I don't have peace. No, 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 no. It's not something that you work towards. It's not, it's not about marking off the checklist. It's simply about how open you are to the will of God for your life. But it starts with being born again. It starts with being born again. But that's all I have. You know, unbeliever, I hope I was able to develop a, a, a connection with you. You know, if you see anything that I that you perceive as harsh from me, please understand my goal is not to shame you. Okay. My goal is to warn you to change course. My goal, you're the Titanic and say, okay, here's the analogy. You're the Titanic and there's an iceberg right ahead of you. My goal is to turn you and steer you in time to avoid the iceberg and avoid a catastrophe in your life. That's why I preach so sternly. And it's no different from a parent teaching a kid to not put their hand in the fire. It's no different. And so if you perceive what I'm saying as harsh, this is not the spirit that I say it in. I don't say it in a spirit of harshness. I say it in a spirit of wanting to edify and love on you. I say it in a spirit to want to teach you the true way and the true discernment. And if anything I say still sounds off, I would encourage you to take it to the spirit, take it to the Holy Spirit himself, take it to take it to God in prayer and say, God, what do you have to say about Shaq? Is he right? Is he holy? Is everything he's saying true? And if your mind and your heart are right, if you've cleansed yourselves, if you've purified yourselves before God, and when I say purification, I mean, God, I give and I surrender my life to you. I present myself a living sacrifice to you. The Lord's going to answer. The Lord's going to answer. Okay. But 
once you get your answers, please understand there's an order in the kingdom. And God is at the top of that order. And whatever the Lord tells you to do, you must do it. And his answers, please understand, unbeliever, that God speaks in completion. What he says, what he promises to you is already done. It's just a matter of obedience and patience and timing. It does at times it's going to look like it's not going to come in time. It's not going to happen. You're not going to receive the promises that God has promised you for your life. At times it's going to look like that. I'm not going to lie. Every single Christian struggles with this. It's going to look like that. But I promise you, I promise you, this is the test that God loves to give to his children. He loves to test our minds. He loves to test our hearts. He loves to test our discipline. And he loves to test our patience. He wants to see how much you're going to give him. Are you going to give him an hour a day? Or are you going to decide to make your whole life about pursuing Christ? And, that, and that's what it's really about. His answer reigns supreme. He's Lord above all. There's nothing that he can't do. It's not about getting rich. It's not about your finances. It's not about your car. Will God provide those things? Yes. But only when you learn to worship the creator and not the created. But that's all I have. Unbeliever, I hope I was able to help you understand. Children of y'all, I hope you were able to get reaffirmed in your understanding of how it all works. Because sometimes, let's be honest, we need to get back to the basics. You know, sometimes our lives these days, especially, they're getting more and more complicated. They're getting more and more mixed. And, you know, sometimes we need to hit the reset button a little bit. But, you know, I think that this was a good episode. I think that this was a good live. Um, even I was benefited from it. The Holy Spirit, you know, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit in this live. The Holy Spirit has guided me to say what I needed to say to help someone break through. And that's all this is about. That's all this is about. This is about your breakthrough. This is not about my likes, my followers. This, this is not about my popularity. This isn't about building my brand, trying to make money. This is purely about your soul because that is the only thing that matters in this world is what you give to another man or woman. But I hope all this makes sense. I pray that you guys go so in Jesus' name, go grow in Jesus' name, and catch you next time. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye-bye.